You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. Uh, I went into a bit of a rabbit hole uh, looking at the 1960 Indians and the 1959 Indians. I was looking at, you know, what had happened during this week in Indians history. And there were two particularly terrible trades um, that happened this week in Indians history. Uh, actually, within the same year, in 1960, uh, the interesting thing is like following these deals through. Like, if you're a died in the wool Indians fan, you know that one of those is the Rocky Calavito deal. You know, we know about the Terry Pluto book, The Curse of Rocky Calavito, and you can look at that set of deals. Um, and what's absolutely fascinating is the same time they are making that Calavito deal. I want to pull up the dates on all of these to make sure I have them correctly. They're making another deal that just mirrors the Calavito deal entirely. Um, So let me go up. Yep. Well, so that one's not at the same time, but we'll get there. So they trade Rocky Calavito, a young power hitting outfielder, on April 17th of 1960. On March 16th, nope, that deal got rescinded. I'm sorry. I want to go back. December 6th, they trade away uh, Mini Minoso for the second time. We'll talk about both those deals in a deal that actually is the rare deal that is a home run for the Cleveland Indians. Uh, it ends up not being a home run. It should have been. But for this era, like they, they swung a fantastic deal. But Minnie Minoso and his kind of career, there is such a mirroring between what happened with Calavito and uh, with uh, Minoso that you know it, it's impossible to not talk about these two guys who in 1959 were these amazing outfielders for that 59 Indians team. Uh, there's no like great, you know, what they go to in 60 in 59, those corner outfielders are well above league average in 60. Uh, Tito Francota is 26 and has a, a really strong year for them. And Harvey Kuhn, who they get from Detroit has a good year. It's not a Calavito-esque year. Jim Pierisol, who had been the center fielder the year before and in 60, puts up a pretty solid effort, a better effort than he had the year before. But it just stands out because when you're looking at two guys having solid years, then you look at what, uh, you know, uh, Mini Minoso had uh, 51 extra base hits that year, a 134 OPS plus. Rocky Calavito is the home run champion, was 42 that year. Uh, he has 66 uh, extra base hits, but he has a 133 OPS plus. Uh, you go back to 60, it's like, except like Francota had a, a good year, but it's a 127, and Kuhn was at a 118. Like, they just dropped so much, and they traded away both of those uh, star outfielders in that uh, that same offseason after 59, and the deal I was getting confused in terms of the transactions in the same week so when we go down here is the they traded away Rocky Calavito, Herb Score, and Norm Cash all in a seven-day period. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about. And we're going to kind of dig into all the Calavito trades. We're going to deal into all the Mini Minoso trades. Um, we're going to dig into John Romano uh, and Vic Power and some of these other guys and how they came and, and went. And I think what's crazy to me about this and maybe someone who has spent more time can correct me if i'm wrong but i think it's just fascinating and explains why the indians were so bad for so long 
that they kept trading away talent when they were like young or at their peak and then reacquiring that talent when they were into their 30s and paying a high price to acquire it. You can look at Rocky Calavito. The Indians traded had three trades involving him. Let's just start there. Let's start with Calavito and we'll go back. So Rocky Calavito um, debuted at age 21 with the Cleveland Indians in 55, became a starter in 56, played in 101 games that year. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, season, finishes second in the Rookie of the Year. Strong season the next year, 1958. I know 59 is the big year because the 42 home runs, but you go back to 58, that is his best season by far. His on-base percentage is nearly 70 points higher because his batting average is 50 points higher. His slugging percentage is 100 points higher. Uh, He has 41 home runs that year. So at this point in time, you're looking at 41 and 42 home runs in back-to-back seasons. That's, That's a pretty huge amount. Um, those are the two big years he has right before they trade him. And he's 25 years old that last year in Cleveland before he gets shipped to Detroit, where the Indians traded the home run champion for the uh, batting average champion. The, you know, Harvey Kuhn was a good player. And this is the other thing that's mind boggling. We talked about the Indians like to reacquire guys that trade away. Uh, they also like to get a guy for one year, uh, realize, oh, not what we thought, and then trade him away. Uh, so Harvey Kuhn was there for one year. The Indians flip him to San Francisco at the end of the at the end of 1960, getting uh, Johnny Antonelli and Willie Kirkland. Now Kirkland is a poor man's Calavito, and Johnny Antonelli had had a really good stretch. Like let's be honest, he had been a strong pitcher for a few years there. Um, but was coming off his lowest number of innings pitched uh, in a season. He was already into his 30s. And you look at that combination, like the Indians, the Indians made a lot of poor deals in the 50s and 60s chasing pitching. Like that is very easy to see very quickly. And we'll talk about that some more. Antonelli uh, comes over to Cleveland. It's the first time he's not an all-star over the last four years. Guy who's averaging like 240 innings, only has 112 in 1960. He comes to Cleveland partway through the 61 season, is terrible, uh, pitches 48 innings, and that's the end of his career. <laughs> and he's one of the centerpieces of, uh, of trading away, uh, you know, Harvey Kuhn, who had been the guy. And, and that's the other thing. You're trading away the home run champ who's 25 years old for a uh, 29-year-old corner outfielder who's high for home runs, had only had double-digit home runs once in his career. Yes, he was a career uh batting average over 300 he had hit 353 the year before but his previous high had been 319 or i'm sorry 332 a 319 his ops pluses had been closer to 100 a 108 is his career average that's more in line uh the indians bought high on a guy who was at his peak in terms of uh performance and traded a guy who was just entering those prime years so, I mean, there's a reason why that, that trade is held up so terribly. But at least they got some value when they turned around and flipped. Um, you know, And then the next year for San Francisco, uh, not great for Harvey uh, Kuhn. He's 62. He has a strong season, but it's kind of over and done with for him in terms of peak. Willie Kirkland will have uh, a few solid seasons with Cleveland. Honestly, in 60 and 61, he's a pretty good outfielder for them, uh, an above-average outfielder. But... Uh, I'm sorry, 61, he's above average. 62, he's pretty bad for the Indians, below average. Uh, 60, he had been above average with San Francisco. So Cleveland then, they basically kept getting decreasing value through three trades, um, trading Calavito, who was an MVP type of talent, 
uh, for Kuhn, who was a very strong talent, but uh, it was clear who was the better player. And then they turn around and trade Kuhn for a washed-up pitcher who you could pretty easily see was washed up and a even lesser outfielder. Yes, they got younger in that deal, but uh, they could have just kept Calavito. When we come back from our break, uh, we're going to talk about all the Calavito deals, as promised, all the mini Minoso deals. We're going to talk about some of how these deals branch out, and we're just going to talk about like the 60-59 Indians and some of the weirdness therein. So uh, Harvey Kuhn, as mentioned, would make an all-star team with the Indians in 60 after they acquired him. But uh, that would be his last all-star appearance, and he would quickly start to decline. Kyle Vito would be an all-star for Detroit in 61-62. They would trade him to Kansas City. He'd be an all-star for them in 64. And then he would be traded back to Cleveland. And in that deal, he would be an all-star for Cleveland in 65 and 66. 67, things come a, a little off uh, the rails for him, him or a lot, and he's not quite the same talent. There was definitely, I wouldn't even say it was definitely the beginning of a decline in 66, but they get him back at age 31 and 32. And you're thinking, great, two-time All-Star, so at least they won that deal. Well, so they definitely lost the first Calavito deal. The problem is they definitely lost the second Calavito deal because of who they traded away. Um, okay, so the Indians, when we talk about uh, Mini Minoso, when they traded away him in 60, one of the guys that got in that deal was John Roman. Now, John Roman, or John Roman, John Romano, I should say, he should stand out because from like 60 through 64, he was one of the best catchers the Indians have ever had. I mean, his stretch of offensive production is fantastic uh, for the Cleveland Indians. And we have to talk about him here because when they get uh, they get him, when they get Calavito back, Romano leaves town and he's still very productive in 65 and even 66 for the White Sox. 67 uh, is his final year where he's mostly a backup. But the, the Indians trade away a productive catcher. They trade away a young pitcher named Tommy John. And they trade away a young outfielder named Tommy Agee. So the Indians trade away three future All-Stars to get um, one player who would go to two All-Star games for them. Uh, Tommy Agee would... Well, which Tommy? Let's start with Tommy John. Tommy John did pitch for the Indians in 63. Uh, He would be a, a strong pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. I mean, you go through and you look at those numbers, his ERA pluses 102, 121, 122, 161, 119, 116, and he would pitch forever. Now, the Indians made a lot of their ill-timed and ill-made trades searching for pitching. Here's a guy they gave away. They gave away Tommy John. Oh, so Tommy Agee, uh, or Agee, I should say, he had appeared for the Indians in 62, 63, and 64. That's at age 19, 20, and 21. He gets traded away, doesn't appear at the White Sox in 65, gets his first chance as a starter in 66, and wins the Rookie of the Year, finishes top 10 in the MVP, and is an All-Star. He would go on to win two gold gloves, be a two-time All-Star, and be in the uh, MVP voting three times. Another young player, the Indians never really gave a chance. And then the third piece, as mentioned, John Romano, who had been just a fabulous catcher for them, an all-star in 61 and 62. Uh, The 65 Indians, they'd had, I mean, they'd been looking for a catcher. They had made some other bad deals trying to chase down catchers, and they finally had one. And Joe uh, Azuko, who they had, had had a good year in, uh, he'd have a good year further down the line in like 68, but it was definitely a drop off in those years of him 
he wouldn't until 66 67 68 he's a solid producer behind the plate for them but uh they would have a drop off for those next two years so they trade away the best catcher the indians had had in quite some time uh and you know a future front line for them would have been a front line starter which is what they had been chasing all to and a, a really good young outfielder all to get Calavito back and he performs well but it's impossible to get back the value they trade away so they successfully lost that one and then uh when they trade him away in 67 it's interesting because the major piece they get back is Jim King who is a guy that they had been trying to get for a while uh when you look at his transaction history he would do very little for the Indians that year um he was a I'm sorry he was an outfielder not a pitcher, but uh, he in uh, he did basically nothing for the Indians that year. Twenty-two at bats. Now the Indians had actually acquired him in '60, lost him in the expansion draft, and reacquired him in '67. Finally got their guy, which is again the classic theme of these trades: of we're going to get him eventually. They will join us at some point. So Calavito trade three deals. Um, when you look at it, Jim King was worse than Calavito, so they lost all three trades for him. Uh, gave up monstrous talent when it was too young in every one of those deals. And let's go into the other deal that happened. So we talked about Mini Minoso. Let's talk about how the he was, for those who don't know, the Indians originally had him. He debuted in 49 with the Indians at the age of 23. Uh, he would then play with them in 51 before being part of a, a trade uh, in April. Now, the Indians decided they were chasing pitching again, so he was part of the trade to bring Lou Brissy to Cleveland. The problem is they gave up Minosa, who had become a, you know, one of the best hitters in the American League, um, a borderline Hall of Famer, one of those guys you can make the real case should be in. Uh, and they would also trade Ray Murray and Sam Zoldick. Now, Sam Zoldick was about the same age as Brissy, and Zoldick had more a higher career war. So they actually traded away the better pitcher. Now, I'm sorry, Brissy was like three years younger, but when you look at the numbers, again, I know this was a different era. People weren't looking at the numbers, and some of these numbers didn't exist. But just some of the basic stuff there, I don't see how you could have looked at him and thought, this is a guy who's, uh, who is worth giving a lot of value to. He had been an all-star and finished top five in Rookie of the Year in, in 48. Uh, the Indians would acquire him in 51, but every single year he'd been a little less productive. Um, ERAs in that era over four. Uh, every single year he had uh, really struggled out of the gate with Philadelphia in 51 but they still went out and made that trade and again they traded the more successful pitcher who was older got a younger pitcher who wasn't as good and gave up a borderline hall of famer then to get um, Minoso back they trade Al Smith and early win two guys we talked about on those great Indians teams at that point in time Al Smith would leave he would go to Chicago and become uh, an all-star. He had been an all-star once in Cleveland in 55, had that great 54 year, and would be a solid producer for them. One could argue that Al Smith was as good in that era as Minoso was. Uh, early win at that point in time was nearing the end, but he might have been 37 years old, but he would still go on and be an all-star the next three years for the White Sox. Um, he would pitch until age 43, where Indians would reacquire him for his final season. And yeah, I mean, that's, they love their reacquiring. So the Indians definitely, then they got Fred Hatfield as the other place and he was already uh, a questionable major leaguer. So they clearly lost that deal. 
But, so, uh, Minosa, they, they lose the first deal, they lose the second deal. The third deal, they win. They clearly win this deal. Uh, he is, at this point, 33 years of age. He's an older player. Um, in 59, the White Sox had won the division. They were a good team. But uh, they wanted to get another outfielder in there to uh, pair with Al Smith, who they had gotten from the Indians. Um, the Indians had made that trade in 57 and were up for trading him away in 59. Uh, the Indians trade three players. I'm sorry, four players, and they get three back. John Romano, the catcher, which is right away one of the reasons this could be one, and Norm Cash. Now, Norm Cash goes on to produce about as much war as um, Minnie Minosa does. Uh, so it becomes a great, great player. The Indians already had Vic Powers at first base, though, and that's where Norm Cash had to play. And if you listen, if you've read on it, Joe Gordon claimed that he wanted to keep Norm Cash, that he did not want to move him. The Indians had Vic Power, as I said. Now, Vic Power in 60 was actually one of their worst hitters. Uh, third baseman Bubba Phelps, who they also got in that deal, was their worst hitter. They were in a bad case there. Vic Power was never a great hitter. He was a consistent gold glove guy at first base. But, um, yeah, it was just not a good situation where at 32 years of age, his bat is already below league average, that that's part of the reason they trade Norm Cash. Norm Cash gets traded away on April 12th. April 17th is the Rocky Calavito deal. So yes, in two weeks' time, the Tigers got very rich off the Indians, adding Calavito and Cash. Uh, the Indians get Steve uh, Demeter. There's a few interesting things. He'd go on to become a, a, a very successful scout. He lived in Cleveland for a long time, and his grandson is Derek Dietrich, who is with the Cincinnati Reds right now and was a St. Ignatius, a Cleveland kid, through and through. So that's kind of his big current claim and tie. But uh, he played barely played in the majors, um, and Norm Cash would go on to become... Uh, a really, really good player, a five-time All-Star, a batting title champion, part of the 68 Tigers uh, World Series uh, group, career OPS plus of 139, you know, almost a one, 140, played till age 40, all in Detroit, uh, 60 to 74, Detroit Tiger. His final year was his uh, least productive, and he still had a 112 OPS plus, which is, again, relative to league production at age 40. It was only in 53 games, but still, he was outproducing the majority of hitters in uh, baseball. Really, really good player, and the Indians gave up both him and Calavito in the same week. Uh, it's just, oof. And then, you know, we talked about Calavito and Minoso, and then with both of those guys, they compound those errors by trading away more talent to get them back. And then they both trade him away then a third time, or a second time, making a third trade. It was just... Uh, it was the definition of how to badly run an organization. You didn't have to worry about such things as uh, free agency or losing these players. You kind of had them locked up and in place, and they still managed to consistently blow these things. Uh, it's just it's it's kind of amazing to look at just how bad they they were at trades and how much they would trade away someone when they were young reacquire them in their 30s, get production out of them, and then quickly move on from them or uh, ride them into the ground and play them when maybe they shouldn't be playing them, but because they're stuck with that player, then trading away a young player who should have been given an opportunity. 
or for a team that constantly is chasing pitching, how often in the 60s or late 50s they traded away pitching um, basically too early. So it's it's kind of crazy to look at and consider all of that. Just going through and digging the numbers, the 60, 1960 Indians are interesting. In 59, they had finished second behind the White Sox. 60 is also because halfway through the year, Joe Gordon gets traded to the Detroit Tigers for Jimmy Dykes. There's a manager trade. Uh, Frank Lane resigns uh, at the beginning of the 1960 season. There's a lot going on. Now, Frank Lane, it's it's hard to look at his career with the Indians and see it as all that successful. I mean, this is the guy who tried to trade Stan Musial. Um, he, with the Indians, traded away Roger Maris, Rocky Calavito, uh, Norm Cash. Uh, it's just not a, a strong run with him in terms of, you know, very much known for always making trades, kind of running a baseball team like it's a simulation league team. But yeah, it's not uh, not a great run for him with the Indians. And his over-aggressive trading nature led to an Indians team that just struggled to, to get any footing. The, uh, the deals that were made and, and constantly made again and traded and you go through the numbers and you look at you know the cost to get Jim Pearsall as the center fielder was Vic Wartz who was productive you know we talked about early win and Al Smith trading away Jim Hegan trading away Roger Maris trading away basically every player from the 54 team that had been uh, so good if there was anyone left at that point in, t- point in time at the Indians he traded them away um, it was not a good time he was the GM of the team from, I think, 57 to 61. Let me double-check that. The only other thing I really want to point out with the yeah 57 to 61 for Trader Frank Lane, not, uh, not a good time to be a, an Indians fan, which you can say for, sadly, most of these GMs on the list here. But uh, the other interesting thing with the 1960 Indians is that was the last year of Don Newcomb in the majors. Now, for me, I had just naturally assumed, based on his early performance in his career, that Don Newcomb was a Hall of Famer. And maybe it's crazy on my part, but he had been an MVP, a Cy Young Award winner, a four-time All-Star, and a guy whose age 26 and 27 seasons were lost due to the Korean War uh, in 52 and 53, so right in his prime. But you look at his stretch, his kind of like six years, and 54 was not a strong year in the return from it, but 55, 56, 57, uh, I mean, Newcomb was really good, significantly better than a lot of the pitchers in that era. So I was a bit surprised. And a guy who did kind of start in the Negro Leagues before coming over. Um, that's also kind of the case you see with Minnie Minoso, uh, who also, side note, was the first African-American player for the Chicago White Sox after he was traded uh, there from Cleveland. So uh, Newcomb would come, finish off age 34 in Cleveland. Uh, rather small time working out of the pen, but... Uh, least had to comment on that uh in my mind i just i view what he did as a hall of fame level talent a hall of fame level player so i was kind of like wait he's not interesting and you know it it leads me down some of those other holes where you start looking at guys like newcomb and minoso and it's almost the case where they'd been better off if they had uh maybe played like 10 years in the Negro leagues and put up huge numbers and then come to the bigs and been uh, had some strong seasons. It's like the it's an interesting situation, and I've seen it argued actually online. Rob Nyer had a piece pointing to another piece, but that guys almost got punished for um, 
going to good organizations who knew how to, how to handle guys and had them start slowly moving up or where they didn't have a chance to compile numbers in one league and move to the other. And uh, it's something interesting to, to look at and consider. But, uh, yeah, the this week is a terrible week in baseball history for the Cleveland Indians. Fantastic for the Detroit Tigers. Another long one. Sorry. Uh, just so much to talk about. I, I get really intrigued following these paths and trades and when someone makes as many trades as frank lane uh there is a lot of paths to follow i have been jeff ellis you have all been fantastic remember to tell your smart devices to play locked on indians locked on fantasy focus any of our other fantastic felt locked on podcasts uh nfl draft is quickly approaching so locked on browns and uh locked on draft we have an nfl draft one are also ones to check out if that's on your radar as always thank you and go tribe.